Welcome, welcome back to Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. It's been a long time. Welcome back. Today, we have the CEO of Mouth and Off Sports, Dan Sadik, and our resident basketball junkie, a.k.a. Squid. Fellas, how are we doing? We're doing good. Doing wonderful, my man. It's been a it's been a while. You know, we, we went on a little bit of a hiatus for for reasons we we cannot explain, but we, we got some much needed time off to reset, recharge, and now we have a load of content to drop on the people. And we're gonna get started today with an NBA slash Boston Celtics podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it. We're going to start, we're going to roll back the calendar a bit back to June and July. We're going to quickly recap the playoffs. Now, last time we spoke, the Celtics had just been eliminated from the postseason. They had won that 7-8 playing game against the Washington Wizards in the playing tourney before getting more or less squashed by the Brooklyn Nets in five games in the first round of the playoffs. But that was pretty much where we left it. Uh, We were just getting into the second round last time we spoke basketball with you. So what happened then? Well, the second round featured upsets galore. The Atlanta Hawks shocked the top seed in the East, the Philadelphia Sixers, 76ers, in a seven. Then the Milwaukee Bucks took out the, the Goliath known as the Brooklyn Nets in seven. And then the top seed in the West also went down as the Los Angeles Clippers took out the Jazz in six. And I think the big story that came out of it was obviously what the final two teams standing. You had CP3, Chris Paul, making it to the finals for the very first time in his career, but he falls just short of his first NBA championship as his Phoenix Suns fell to the 2021 NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks in six games. Giannis Antetokounmpo is no longer a regular season hero. He is an NBA champion. So with all that being said, and I kind of just played the hits there. Squid, I'll start with you. When you look, think back to the playoffs, what do you take from, from that, that postseason that was? Yeah, um, kind of like we talked about in some of the earlier pods at the start of the playoffs was the team that's going to end this thing uh, as champions is going to be the team that stays the most healthy. And uh, every series, pretty much a key player in each team was hurt. And the Bucks uh, weathered the storm and uh, Giannis played some daddy ball at the end there and pretty much took over. A little bit kind of like, I guess you could say prime Shaq, uh, just dominant in the paint. Uh, I think ultimately you look at, a, uh, I mean, a player that I thought was very under underwhelming, I mean, not underwhelming, a player that wasn't very talked about much of the Phoenix Suns that kind of hurt them a lot that he wasn't available in the finals was Dario Saric. Uh, he was there, like, I guess pseudo, like, stretch five where he just, you know, he played good minutes when Aiton was out, and that was huge that the Suns did not have him against Giannis, and they were just undersized even with Aiton in there, so it was a really tough series for them. And, you know, props to Giannis hats off. The guy really laid it all out there and the journey was incredible. 
Dan, what about you? When you think back to the postseason that was, what do you take from it? Yeah, I mean, I think Anthony laid it out pretty well. Like, it really was like, you know, whoever can stay the healthiest, right? Like, uh, the Bucks kind of just outlasted everybody, but to their credit, right? Brooklyn was this three-headed monster that they still will be for years to come. You know, they've locked up their 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 core, but like those guys couldn't stay healthy. The Bucks were able to outlast them. The Celtics weren't obviously. The Hawks, I mean, the freaking Atlanta Hawks made uh, an actual Eastern Conference Finals run, uh, led by Trey Young. Like you're not going to see that every year, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, it was refreshing. Like it kind of it reminded me of uh, the 2011 Mavs a little bit, right? Where you had one real dominant guy back then. It was Dirk with a good, strong supporting cast, like. Nothing spectacular, but just enough to get you there. And, like, you went up against a team in the Phoenix Suns that, again, they were starving too. Um, CP3, first finals ever. Devin Booker, uh, who has a really great mentality on and off the basketball court. Um, so I think it was a great playoff. It was a great showcase for, for whoever could rise to, to the top, as Anthony said, right? Um, and with Brooklyn crumbling like that and the Lakers not coming to fruition themselves, like you wanted to see a champion rise that was like, I don't know, like that you could like appreciate it a little bit. And I feel like with the Bucks, with Giannis, he stayed there. Um, you know, he's locked up there for now. And it was kind of like refreshing to see just like one guy, you know, with like a good core around him kind of you know get over that hump i agree with what the both of you have said so far i have two big takeaways from the playoffs my first one and squid touched on it already and that was the injuries injuries just absolutely plagued the postseason you look at the postseason bracket it's tough to find a series where there wasn't a, a major or impact player that sat out at least a game or two in most, if not all of the series. You look out West, Donovan Mitchell missed the first couple uh, of games in their first round series against the Grizzlies and allowed Memphis to steal game one. Yes, Utah cooked the rest, but still. Denver played without Jamal Murray the entire postseason. The Lakers lost Anthony Davis towards the end of their series and they caved out and succumbed to the Suns. Then you get... The Clippers taking on the Jazz, they lose Kawhi Leonard towards the end of that series, and they still find a way to win somehow. Then Denver finally succumbs to the Suns without Jamal Murray. Then you look out east, right? You've got Miami, and yes, Jimmy Butler was fine, but you could tell like he was worn down. The Nets were, were able to handle the Celtics but then the injuries started piling up. Harden, he got hurt. Kyrie was banged up. And it was, it was just Kevin Durant willing that team, literally, to stay in it. You had Embiid miss a game, I think, early in the playoffs. Trey Young went down with an ankle sprain. Giannis had an injury scare. I forget if it was in the finals or in the conference finals where he hyperextended his knee. I think he missed one game because of it. Like, there were just injuries galore in the playoffs and that took a little bit away from it, but still 
when you had the heavyweight favorites like the Lakers and the Nets choking early on and the top seeds also losing, it, it made for uh, an NBA playoffs that I was, I would say I was more invested in than I've ever been in quite some time. So I definitely uh, agree with, with some of the points that you were making there at the end, Dan. My second point is that the perennial playoff chokers, for the most part, stayed choking. I mean, the Clippers are the Clippers. Yes, they were without Kawhi Leonard in the conference finals, but and they somehow toppled the Jazz when they were tied 2-2 without Kawhi, but they still choked. I'm sorry, they, they still choked. Then you get the Philadelphia 76ers choking royally to the Atlanta Hawks. Maybe that maybe eight, that was just ATL putting themselves on the map, Trey Young and co., but I think that's more of a choke job on Philly. And yes, Brooklyn had to deal with all the injuries. Milwaukee stayed healthy, but Brooklyn still had enough talent across the board to hang around and potentially survive and give their stars more time to heal, and they couldn't. So the way I see it, players and teams that choked still were choking. I don't know how you guys feel about that one. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you literally spot on spot on they all they all stay chokers even up up until the very end with cp3 i mean not exactly choking but like you know just didn't come through you know at the end i mean that was another that's another one he cp3 played through a wrist injury a hand injury the entire playoffs so add that one to the list yeah Um, yeah the 76ers are still processing (laughs) yeah that 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 thing is never ending that will trust the process, baby. That is gonna stay on like seventy nine percent for like they, they literally they like it 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 is just so them, isn't it? Like second round kings, like all of it up until like even like the Doc Rivers post game presser where he's like he's asked if if they can win a, a championship with Ben Simmons. He's like I don't know, <laughs> like yeah, it, it's just so. 76ers that oh that whole season like everything it, it it it's just beautiful and i know i'm getting my ahead of myself here but what do they do to address it they sign andre drummond perfect <laughs> great fit just exactly what that team needs more more yeah, you know? more non-shooting more inside bigs great i know they lost dwight howard and that's why they brought in drummond but still come on what what do we what are you doing? So that's that's our little quick playoffs recap. So let's fast forward a little bit and talk about the 2021 NBA draft. Uh, now the first three picks went pretty much as expected. You had Cade Cunningham, no shocker here, going over number one overall to the Detroit Pistons, followed by Jalen Green going second to the Houston Rockets, and Evan Mobley going third to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now that's about as well as most mock drafts did because at four, it went to shit. We saw chaos followed because not a lot of teams had Scotty Barnes going, or not a lot of mock drafts had Scotty Barnes going number four to, I believe it's Toronto. Um, 
And that's it's just kind of went downhill from there in terms of uh, my mock draft and many other mock drafts. Um, I'm going to get into my draft winner and my draft loser in just a moment. But uh, Dan, what were your takeaways from the NBA draft? I know we can't really talk about it from a Celtics perspective because they traded their first round pick away and we'll get to that in a little bit. But from just an overall perspective, how did you, uh, what did you think about the draft this year? So I, it's funny. Like, I don't know if, if it was like the timing, like what it was like, it's like one of the most recent drafts that like I found myself least invested in. I, I don't know. Like, cause like, I'm not the biggest, like call Like I, I love college basketball, but like, I wasn't like huge on this class. So like, I wasn't like nearly as invested as I thought I would be like the guys that like you expect to go, go like Cade, um, Wiseman and all that. But like, I just feel like, uh, sorry, Wiseman last year, but like Cade this year, like I think Cade, obviously great player for Detroit, but like besides that, like the Celtics, obviously the last few drafts have been sort of eh, very hit or miss. And it's made me kind of like fall out of it a little bit. So like for the overall draft, I mean, it was good, but like I literally like this year was probably my least interested year in a long time. So my perspective on it really just, it wasn't that exciting. Like, I don't know, like I'm sure these guys are are great. Like I'm going to be a lot more invested, like as the year goes on, that's how it usually goes for me. But at the rip at the start, like, I don't have a lot of takes um, on the draft itself. Like, but again, you know, I'm sure it's one of those decent drafts. I don't think it's going to be anything special, um, crazy off the board, but like a guy like Cade Cunningham, like he's definitely going to be a player in the league. Like that, that guy for sure. And again, I, I, I would love over the last few years, a guy like Neesmith, just saying going back a draft, I would love a guy like that. Somebody to hit just a little bit, you know, in the last few years where the Celtics have been just picking and picking and picking and just for somebody to, to pop off just a little bit where they can hang their hat on and they're a legit NBA talent. Um, this year could have been one of those years where the Celtics didn't really have any picks and, um, you know, we'll have to see, but yeah. I'm not saying that this is going to be one of the best draft classes of all time, but I do think it could be a sneaky sleeper candidate for a draft class that maybe doesn't produce a a ton of all-stars across the board, but I think there's a lot of like good overall talent that will have a lot of longevity in the league. This, this isn't the, the outside of Cunningham. I don't think it's the superstar kind of, class at the top it was very very not top heavy but i think it's a deeper class like i think there's a lot of names that went in the second round that i wouldn't be surprised if they found their way onto nba rosters and carved out roles on the team um but that remains to be seen squid what were your thoughts on the draft this year yeah so i don't like to compliment the city of cleveland very much because cleveland (laughs) ohio but uh I guess this year, um, I mean, I, I don't know how many people are out there that agree with agree with me, but I'm actually really high on Evan Mobley. Um, I just, you know, the league lacks big men who can switch 
and pretty much cover a lot of different positions, especially guards, but also stretch the floor, uh, be a great interior passer. I just think Mobley kind of has it all. And he's, I mean, he's still a little raw, but I think the kid's going to become like a, a, like an elite NBA big man that teams are going to want for a long time. And I mean, for me, I get, I, I understand Jalen Green and Cade where they went. I mean, I, I see the talent there. I see the, the potential. I just, I'm a, I'm a big Mobley guy and I'm excited to see what comes out of that. And then just a player like Davion Mitchell, uh, where we actually are at a point where the whole summer league has happened now. And Davion Mitchell led his team to the summer league championship. The guy's just a winner. Um, I think they call him off night, like a nickname. His nickname's off night because whoever regards that player has an off night. Uh, the dude's just a dog and he's, I mean, he's going to be a good NBA player. Sacramento got a good one there for the second year in a row after getting Halliburton last year. So those are my two big steals of the draft. I mean, they're not really steals because one went three and one went like in the top in the lottery. So hard to say steals, but two players that I'm going to kind of hang my hat on as far as like, those are my guys. I agree with Mobley. If anyone has watched enough tape on Mobley, that guy can guard almost I'm not saying he can guard one through five, but he can almost guard one through five. And he's a projected centers, almost seven foot. Yep. And he can guard on the perimeter. So that's, that's a guy that already has shown the ability on both ends. If he can stretch out his jumper and like you said, just kind of build on that raw talent, watch out. My draft is a little Bosch like. Yes. He just doesn't have the jumper quite yet. Like he has like a, a baseline mid-range jumper, but that's about it right now. Hey, Bosch didn't have it too early, too much early either. So no, it it, it came with time. So I, I think that's a good kind of projection for him. My my draft winner is actually the Golden State Warriors, and yep. I say this because not only are they hard pressed against the salary cap when you've got when you're handing out like a quarter of a billion dollars to Steph Curry. And you've got Clay Thompson on a max, Draymond Green practically on a max, uh, Andrew Wiggins practically on a max. You don't have a, you've got a hit on these draft picks. And once they get healthy, they're not going to have lottery picks anymore. Like, so to get Jonathan Kumunga and Moses Moody at seven and 14, respectively, I think those are both two draft prospects that should, and I think will hit. And I'm not, they're obviously not going to be starters on this team, but I think they'll be able to carve out solid roles on that Warriors bench. That is going to be desperate for talent and shooting and just overall talent. Um, when, because we've seen the bench from those championship teams, those veteran presences with it's kind of on those ML mid-level exception deals, they're almost gone. That, those, that bench is almost gone. So you're trying to kind of restock that bench behind the Curry, Thompson, Greens, and Wiggins, and, and Wiseman. And Kumunga and Moody, I think, is a great way, a great step in the right direction to do that. Moody is a three and deer, shot very well from three, over 40% at Arkansas this year. Uh, shout out, Arkansas. And... Then you got Jonathan Kamunga, who absolutely dominated the summer league circuit this year. Improved why I believe he went to the G. He did the G League, uh, what the Ignite or whatever it was called, um, the the team where you can just skip college and play like a year of more or less G League straight out of high school. Um, he excelled not only in on that team, but in the summer league. 
So I expect big things from him for the Golden State Warriors. My draft loser is in the Celtics division. It's the New York Knicks. They came into the draft with the 19th overall pick and the 21st overall pick and a ton of cap room. So they had they had some they had some potential to make some noise on draft night and instead they traded away 19 for a future first rounder. They traded back from 21 to 25 just to take Quentin Grimes, the senior or junior guard from Houston University. And then they made uh I believe three picks in the second round. I, I when you're going all in when you get a team that exceeded your expectations last year, and you're going to be bringing most of that crew back, you're also going to be adding Kemba Walker, I believe. And Evan Fournier. You just signed Evan Fournier. Thank you. And you've, you've given Julius Randle his max. You should be trying to add as much talent as possible now. I know they're still trying to parlay for the future, but... I thought they had an opportunity to kind of m- maybe make a jump into the lottery and grab somebody that could maybe make a difference for them, maybe a potential six man to if they need to replace Derek Rose at some point because he's inevitably going to get hurt again. Like that's I thought they had the potential to do something and in my opinion they kind of just said, "Ah, eh, we'll just load up on future picks." And so that was a little disappointing for me. But so that was the, the draft. Uh, it was, it was, it was a, I, I do lean towards Dan's take where it was, it was kind of not as interesting as of a draft, despite all the chaos that went ran amok because obviously the Celtics didn't have a pick. So there was nothing really to look forward to until the second round. And, but hopefully uh, we won't have to, <laughs> hopefully we will get to see the Celtics make a pick in the first round next year, but hopefully it won't be a lottery pick. You know, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So speaking of those Celtics, they made a bunch of off season moves. Now, last time we spoke, we were talking about how, uh, Brad Stevens was taken over for Danny Ainge. And Celtics were going to have to find a new head coach to replace Brad Stevens. Well, they did just that as they decided to hire Brooklyn Nets assistant. And someone can correct me here. Ime Udoka. Yep. As the next head coach of the Boston Celtics. So squid, I will start with you. What are your, I know, I believe you were on, on the Udoka train. So I'll let you speak to him here. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess Brad Stevens was hacking my phone this uh, before he made his offseason <laughs> moves because I pretty much put a threat out there to uh, I guess Celtics Nation and basically talking about how the Celtics need to go and dump off Kemba Walker to OKC, take Horford's contract, and uh, hire Ime Yudoka. And about a week later, they did all that, and I almost I mean, it took a victory lap on Twitter. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> Ime Udoka, in my opinion, was the right hire simply because he's worked with Marcus, Jason, and Jalen on uh, Team USA. They had, all, all the players spoke very highly of him. He's a guy that's going to relate to them, and he's just ultimately he is a guy who knows how to play hard mouth basketball. He's coached with Popovich. He's coached with uh, with the Brooklyn Nets this past year, so he's, he knows how to handle superstars. 
I just think the vibes are going to be back from like kind of the old Celtics team we saw, like the, you know, punk rock Celtics with IT and Crowder. I just think there's going to be some good vibes this year as far simply led by Udoka. And I'm very excited for that. It's going to be a different energy than last year. I think we're getting a different product. So I'm pumped about that. Just the fact that, you know, a, a coach that's not going to be so passive, he's going to, he's going to get in the players' faces. He's going to tell them, you know, how it is. And he's going to get the best out of them, in my opinion. And not that Brad didn't get the best out of his players. It's just that, I don't know. I, sometimes I don't think he held them as accountable as they could have been held. And Ime, in my opinion, is someone that is going to do that. So I'm very excited for the higher Ime Udoka. Now, Dan, uh, Squid brought up your boy Kemba Walker. Uh, he yes. was traded to OKC along with the 16th pick in the 2021 draft <clears throat> to the Thunder for Al Horford and Moses Brown. So give me your thoughts on both the Udoka hire as head coach and the Kemba Walker trade. So a lot like Anthony said, you know, a guy who played the game, um, you know, was a role player kind of guy, has that gritty sort of mentality. And, you know, he can relate to the guys on a completely different level than Brad could. And like, not that like Brad's a good X's and O's. Like he's a great coach. Like what it means to be a coach. Like Brad is a coach at heart. I feel like that's what got Brad by a lot. Like he could get the guys, you know, he could draw it up any which way. Uh, A guy like Ime, I feel like, again, like can, can relate to the guys on a personal level. I'll, I'll equate a little bit to like Cora with the Red Sox, just a little bit, you know, not that Ime is going to freaking break a franchise record and, you know, regular season wins and all that, but a guy that again, played the game, knows the culture, knows a locker room, knows how to be around the guys and also knows how to push their buttons without like hurting their feelings or like, or, or whatever, pushing them away or getting them off the reservation. I feel like he's a guy Again, like Anthony said, he was around Popovich. He knows what a winning culture is like. And he can bring that, I think, to this team. And for young guys like Tatum, Tatum and Brown, he's a I feel like you could not get a better uh, you know, guy that checks those boxes. Um, so I'm very happy with the hire. When I heard about the rumors about Jason Kidd and whoever, I was worried. Like Chauncey Billups, I could definitely do, but like a guy like I heard about Jason Kidd, I was like, no, 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 like please no. Because again, he played the game, but I just feel like he's already proven he doesn't really work out that well um on an NBA coaching staff. But anyways, the Kemba deal, you know, I I rode with that man until too long. <laughs> Let's just say that too long. I mean, this year sucked, right? Because he could not play back to backs. And when he did play, it was like every now and then you saw some flashes of like, oh, if he could just, you know, replicate that, if he could just do that on a nightly basis. But his knee, man, he's just so limited and he does not have the explosiveness. He, he just does not look like nearly the same player he was even in his first year with Boston, but let alone, you know, his prime years with Charlotte. Uh, so they had to make the deal. They had to get cap relief. They they had to, and I'm glad they did. He's with uh, the Knicks now. 
so hey, you know, I'm still a fan. You know, I, I I've loved the guy since since UConn. I like absolutely love the guy, but uh, it it sucks to see it go that way. But it's also funny too because uh, he had a presser with the Knicks, and uh, someone was like some reporter like or whatever asked him like if he was going to play uh back to backs and he was like oh like you're gonna have to ask tibbs ask tibbs and then they flashed to thibodeau and he goes oh he's playing like (laughs) uh, they're gonna put coach thibodeau tom thibodeau is gonna put kembasney in a blender i'm telling you right now like (laughs) i love that dude he's going home but like thibodeau is gonna run that man into the ground Oh my god, dude! He's gonna have a bionic knee by the end of this. Oh my god, he's gonna look. He's gonna look at Derrick Rose and he's gonna be like, "Bro, how does your knees still function?" He's gonna be calling Brandon Roy, like, "Bro, like, how do I get out of this? Like, what the fuck?" <laughs> oh man, I I love I I really like the uh, Udoka hire personally. Um, yeah, I do think it's a fresh face. It's a it's a different style of coach, uh, someone who's got experience on an NBA bench, but just hasn't been given the full keys to the car, so to speak, quite yet. This being Udoka's first chance at being a head coach in the driver's seat. So I'm I I'm very intrigued by it. I can't wait to see how the team plays behind him. Uh, I'm I hope he is the breath of fresh air that puts us helps put the Celtics over the top, gets us back into the NBA finals discussion. Um, but he's going to need, it's going to take more than a, a, just a change uh, coach to get the C's to back to where they want to be. As far as the Kemba Walker trade goes, I think it was a necessary evil. You hate to trade a guy on a max contract as well as a first round pick for a, an unproven youngster in Moses Brown and a guy in Al Horford who, while still can be productive, is on the back nine of his career. So you've got you really would have liked to have gotten more from what you, with what you had to give up. And but, then they got rid of Moses Brown. Yeah, and I was just I was getting there. Yeah, I was getting there. I'm sorry, um, I, I felt it in my bones. Yeah. So. Though that was not the only trade the Celtics made in the offseason. They made a pair of trades that involved trading away both the recently acquired Moses Brown, who had a, about a month's stay in Boston, never put even put on the jersey, and then trading away Tristan Thompson as well. And in return, they brought in point guard Chris Dunn, big man Bruno Fernando, and journeyman Josh Richardson. Uh, I, I would say that it was a fine trade. I mean, I would have liked to have seen what Moses Brown had. He showed some flashes in OKC uh, when he was given the chance. So I think he could have been a, a nice one-two punch with Robert Williams potentially. Um, and then you add in all Horford to that. But I guess there wasn't enough room on the roster for all those bigs. So. Moses Brown gets shipped out along with Tristan Thompson. Uh, The Celtics also brought in Dennis Schroeder, point guard who played last season on the Lakers. They signed him for the mid-level exception one year, 5.9 million. 
And they also extended Marcus Smart. And I definitely want to get your guys' takes on that. Marcus Smart received a four-year, $77 million extension. So, that being said, Squid, what would, given all the moves that they've made, uh, re-signing people, bringing new people in, trading people, bringing them out, what, what's your general consensus? Like, what would you give the grade for the Celtics offseason? Yeah, you know, um, I, I definitely see the vision that's trying to happen here. Um, it's, it's time. I mean, the, the Jays are, are starting to grow up. It's time to start building around them. And that means, you know, hauling off the expensive contracts that weren't complimenting them correctly, like Kemba Walker and, you know, unfortunately, Evan Fournier who's vlogging. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked – Personally, I liked getting off Tristan Thompson because he wasn't doing much for us and getting uh, Josh Richardson out of that. You know he's going to play good defense. For him, it's question, It's the offense that you question. Um, if he can get back to a shooting that he had down there in Miami, that's a productive player. Um, I like that move a lot. Um, I like the Dennis Schroeder move a lot because Brad was patient. He didn't go overpay some random guard, and instead he got a guard that averages 15 points a game on pretty high percentages for $5.9 million in a one-year contract. So you can't really beat that. That's an absolute bargain. Um, so I, I guess I love the, the, the uh, Horford-Robert Williams one-two punch. You got a guy that's going to be a vertical threat and a guy that's going to be a floor stretcher with Horford shooting threes, and he's a, Horford's a good interior passer. Overall, I think the roster we have now complements the Jays pretty well. Um, you know, you got some wings on there. You got a couple guards with Smart and Chris Dunn who are just going to play just elite defense. Uh, and I think there's one more move to come, personally, because when we when Evan Fournier signed to the Knicks, that created a $17.9 million trading section, if I'm correct, which means the Celtics could potentially go out and get another player whether that's a wing or a guard or something like I, I, I'd assume it's a, like a, a four cause we don't have a real good four on the roster. Uh, I'm assuming that we're going to go get one of those, but that's ultimately the goal was to make contracts that are kind of movable. Uh, so we can clear up cap space when Bradley bill inevitably becomes available. Uh, so when that happens, we will have the space by just sending contracts to people up for players who people want, for example, Marcus smart, his deal, it's like 17 million a year or something along those lines. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of money at the same time. You know, if you give New Orleans a call, if you give, I don't know, some random team a call or Minnesota, whatever. Uh, yeah. My dog's barking again. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but you give, you know, you give, you give these teams a call. You can shut off Marcus smart salary easily. You can shut off Josh Richardson salary easily. Um, you just, and, and Al next year is only going to make $14 million because his contract's not guaranteed. So pretty much you're looking at the Celtics having much of flexibility if we want to get a third star with the Jays, or who knows, maybe this roster will find that chemistry and just roll this year with two all-stars and a bunch of good role players around them. And we actually have a somewhat good bench this year, hopefully. So I give it, I, I give it a B plus because of, uh, because of cap flexibility and just having role players this year. Dan, what would you give the Celtics off season as a grade as a whole? So I'm right around that area. I like, Initially, I was thinking B, but I'm leaning more towards B plus, you know, because, again, Brad, I feel like did as much as he could. Right. He got the trade exception with Fournier. Um, You know, he moved on from Kemba, brought Al back on, you know, a fair deal. Um, And again, like 
I think moving forward, the team is in a much better spot than they could have been. Uh, they have much more NBA, uh, like, talented players, uh, unlike semi guys like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say B+. Plus, you know, move on from Trishan Thompson. And, yeah, yeah. I'd say the team's not, like, in contender mode right now, per se. But, again, if – like Anthony said, like if they can really start to find the chemistry with uh, the the core three and Smart, Tatum, and Brown, then you're moving. And a happy Smart is your best Smart because if he were to be going on this year without a new contract, I feel like that could have been a recipe for disaster because the guy's great. I mean, yes, he all we all have like our love hate feelings like whether we don't want him to shoot as much whatever but like overall like he is a very very valuable asset and it's still a very movable contract you're not overpaying i saw Stephen a freaking Stephen a posted like some video where he was going off on how underpaid and under whatever on how much of a steal the celtics got with that contract nonetheless i feel like at the trade deadline if there was a deal to be made or after the season he has a contract that you can move if you want to try to get a deal, whoever. But um, yeah, like I, I think Brad did pretty much all he could do uh, this offseason. And the fact that he, he literally moved Kemba so, so freaking quickly. Like I was surprised. I thought, I thought we could have been like at this point in the summer and still had Kemba on the roster. But like I, that man made a lot of moves a lot more quickly than hmm. I thought. And I'm I'm ha- I'm I'm just happy about that. Like I now, I I would have to agree with your grade, Dan. Like I I hate to be the guy that just agrees and can't come up with some for- sort of counter argument, but I'm looking at the grades that I have for each of the individual moves. I have a pair of Bs, I have a pair of A minuses, and a B plus. That comes out to an average of a B plus. So. I guess I'm 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 with you on the B plus. I think the the hiring of Udoka and signing Schroeder to the mid level are some just excellent moves across the board. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not huge on. I think the the moves to trade Tristan Thompson and Moses Brown, the return you got for them, and the Marcus Smart extension are good, but I don't think they're great. And the reason I don't think the Marcus Smart extension is great is you look at the guys that are making the same amount of money as him. And we're going to play a quick game here. And I've got a list of 10 players that are making roughly the same amount of money as Marcus Smart next year. And I want you guys to tell me whether, in a general sense, not on the Celtics, but in a general sense, which player would you rather have? That player or Marcus Smart? So, first player, Jeremy Grant. Would you rather have him or Marcus Smart? Grant. Grant. All right. Jared Allen. Smart. Allen. All right. What about uh, DeMontis Sabonis? Oh, Sabonis all day long. Yeah. All right, so Dan, you haven't even picked Marcus Smart once here. Uh, uh, 
I like them. I, I, I just not, not over a lot of guys. Nah. What about Fred Van Vliet? Smart. Yeah. I will actually take smart on this one. This is one of those ones that I actually was very much in a toss up for Cause I, I love Fred Van Vliet's spontaneous offensive combustions. He just really doesn't do it on a, as a consistent as a basis. And he's obviously nowhere near the defender. Marcus smart is, uh, Zach Levine. 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 Uh, what about Goran Dragic? I think Smart. this was, yeah. Smart now, yeah. <laughs> maybe Dragic from like five years ago. Maybe <laughs> yeah, we're talking, but. Give me like 2015 Dragic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about uh, Bohan Bogdanovich? The one Ooh. from Utah. Yeah, Bogdanovich. <sighs> I'll take Smart. My man Bogey's a bucket. <laughs> he is. He's a dead eye, man. He fit the he fit that Utah system perfectly. Oh, he is such a pure scorer. Uh, Lonzo Ball. Ooh. Oh, smart. Really? I just here's the thing. Like, I guess, I guess, like looking at like if I was saying the Celtics strictly, I think I'd rather have Lonzo Ball than the Celtics. But overall, I'd rather have Smart if I was just a random hmm. team. I'm going to go smart. I mean, I just – I don't think Lonzo is ever going to like – I don't know. I feel like he, he his ceiling is not that high. And not that smart's ceiling is that high, but like he gives you so much defensively. Like I, I've got to go smart. Clint Capella. Um. I'm just, just I'm just saying smart because I've never actually seen Clint Capella do good without Harden or Trey Young just throwing him lobs all the time. <laughs> That's fair. That's smart. very fair. Uh, and last but not least, Eric Gordon. Oh, smart, smart. Yeah, Eric Gordon. Smart. Yeah, again, give me Eric Gordon six years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm just looking at that list, and I think. The majority of would you rather have player this or Marcus Smart was you'd rather have that player. The point I'm trying to make here is that I think the Celtics overpaid. Now, maybe that's because that, like you were saying, Squid, that makes it more of an appealing contract for a trade down the line. Thinking Bradley Beal, of course. But in the just on face value, I'm when you look at the players that are making roughly the same amount of money as Marcus Smart will be, it looks like an overpay to me. That's all. So that's the only reason why I, I'm not huge on the Marcus Smart extension. Now, uh, so overall, I would say Celtics give them a B plus. Good, pretty good, but not great. So we'll see what next season brings, and we'll touch on that at the end. So let's look across the league to what other teams did this offseason. Uh, right before the draft, Memphis decided to send Jonas Valanciunas and picks 17 and 51 in the 2021 draft to New Orleans for Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, picks 10 and 40, plus a future first rounder. So that was quite the 
the head scratcher out of nowhere, at least from where I'm sitting. I did not expect to see that uh, trade. I'm not, I, I don't even know who the real winner is from that. I guess only time will tell, but considering Eric Bledsoe didn't even stick around in Memphis, he got shipped out to the Clippers for Pat Bev and Rajon Rondo. Um, I guess Memphis is just acquiring as much kind of veteran leadership to go around with that kind of young bunch, young up and coming talent that they've got going down in grind city down there. Um, maybe they're trying to get a mix of both. Um, now that they've gotten a taste of the postseason, then I think obviously the big trade of the off season, the Lakers getting Russell Westbrook and two second rounders. Don't sleep on the two second rounders for Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and the 22nd pick in the 2021 draft. So when you add to the fact that the Lakers were able to sign Carmelo Anthony to basically the veterans minimum for a one-year deal, you've got LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, and Carmelo Anthony all on the same team going into the 2021-2022 season. That is banana land. I know that you're not getting prime Carmelo Anthony, but just seeing those four names on the same NBA team is just wild. Absolutely wild. And then in terms of free agent signings, can uh, I one up that? You can go right ahead. Yeah. So I just want to point out, this might be the first time in NBA history. There is six hall of famers on one roster. Uh, I just fact check. Okay. LeBron James won. Yep. AD, Anthony Davis, probably number two. Carmelo, definitely number three. Russell Westbrook, definitely number four. Dwight Howard, probably number five. And Marcus Hall, probably number six. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> I know. Like, and I know that some of those guys are certainly on the back nine of their careers. In fact, most of them are. But, man. <laughs> Six it's, Hall of Famers is still six Hall of Famers. Like the, the basketball IQ on that team is crazy, but to me, I saw the, I saw a graphic today. It was it was uh it was like a Lakers versus Nets Christmas Day thing, and it had LeBron, Mello, LeBron, Mello, uh, AD, and Russ versus like Harden, Blake Griffin, Durant, and Irving. And I was like, holy shit! If I saw this graphic in 2016, I just wouldn't believe that's real life. Exactly. Like what? It's absolutely the nuts. (laughs) Now, in terms of free agency, we definitely had some names moving around. Lonzo Ball signed with the Chicago Bulls for four years, 85 mil. And he's going to be joined by DeMar DeRozan, who also signed the Bulls for three years, 85 mil. So they're going to they're gonna team up with Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. And, I mean, you look at that foursome, that's immediately – I'm not saying that's a title contender, but that's an, immediately – that's got to be a playoff team and, and a team that could do some damage in the Eastern Conference for sure, right? They're finally, like, not a joke anymore. Like, that's why I take away from it, like – they're they're actually making moves to be like halfway decent and 
I like that. I think Alonzo Ball is like a great fit there, but with DeRozan too, I mean, you know, he's like getting on the back half too as well, but like, again, like they're going to be respectable. Squid, do you think the Chicago Bulls could be for real next year? Yeah. I mean, I like what they have. Like, I really do like DeRozan. I mean, DeRozan next to Levine, Ball, I mean, and Vucevic. That's that's incredible offense. Uh, Defense will be questionable, but uh, I think they're going to be, you know, personally, I'm not, I'm not as high on the Atlanta Hawks as many people are. Um, I think they're kind of just, they just kind of got lucky. They were happy to be there. Uh, and lucky to be there. I, I do think, you know, the East landscape has changed a lot. I mean, obviously the Bucks and the Nets are top tier, but I think you're looking at the next tier is like kind of just a battle between Miami, Boston, Philadelphia, Chicago, uh, I guess the Bulls. I mean, I think the Bulls and the Hawks and maybe the Knicks, like the, I don't know, it's going to be the, the three through, three through like eight is going to be super competitive. And I think the Bulls are right in the middle of that. Hmm. Now, other notable offseason additions, Kyle Lowry signed with the Miami Heat, three years, $90 million as part of a sign-in trade. Victor Oladipo is going to stay in Miami after being traded there at the deadline. He's going to play on the minimum after he's co- coming back from yet another injury. So Miami could be loading up. Uh, we didn't even – I don't did you even – I don't think you even mentioned them. They could be in the mix um for hanging around in the east uh you might we mentioned earlier evan fournier went to the next four years 78 million uh i mentioned andre drummond jokingly going to philly he's going on the vet minimum uh demar demar DeRozan. yep already named that one uh so that's just the the ones that i picked out any any major free agent signings that stood out to you guys dan i'll start with you um, not like in particular, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Clippers moved on from Rondo. So like that was a little interesting. Um, Pat Bev got moved like five times this off season. So that's kind of funny. Um, besides that, like, no, like I would say, on the Celtics side, like the biggest move they made was moving Kemba. So just overall as like an over o- overarching, like free agency off season thing, like that's like the biggest move that I take away from all of it is like, they, they moved on from a piece that became liable way too expensive. And um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with, uh, with the uh, adding Westbrook I thought Buddy Heald I think a lot of people thought Buddy Heald would have been a more efficient move just like for a fit wise uh standpoint a great shooter um that could fit with a play, you know playmakers like LeBron and uh AD and others but Westbrook and Melo should be fine there as well I think uh it, it's it's cool too because like LeBron I, I think has always wanted to play with Melo, like one of his buddies. So whatever, you know, like back nine of his career too, uh, you know, just checking off boxes and if you can win a title with him, cool. But yeah, yeah, I would say uh, overall, I think the NBA has taught us like we're moving on to a generation where 
it may not be like super team or bust every year like it was like from 20 I don't know what 2010 to 2017 2018 pretty much squid what are your thoughts any uh any notable offseason move that stood out the most to you yeah uh, there, there was a two teams that stood out to me the most uh, some one of the teams that was more uh trading that stood out to me and one was uh free agency First, I'm going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. They just won the NBA Finals, and I thought they actually improved their roster. I know they lost Peter Tucker, but they added uh, – I mean, first, just in-house, they get DiVincenzo back, who's kind of like – they're like pseudo, like, sixth-man starter, like interchangeable, whether he's in the starting lineup or not. That's big for him to come back this year. But then they have – they added George Hill, who's, you know, proven to be like a, be- a reliable bet guard off the bench. They added Rodney Hood, who's, you know, just three and D kind of guy at this point, who's going to give you some good minutes – they added Grayson Allen, uh, Duke favorite. Uh, and yeah, yeah. And they just, <laughs> their roster, I mean, and they also added Boston Celtics legend, Semi Ojale, who, uh, <laughs> good for them. Uh, he, a- he, found, he, he found another fan base to piss off. Uh, <laughs> but, and they brought back Bobby Portis on a really good deal. So I really like where the, what the Bucks did. I mean, they kind of put their roster back together and add some scoring talent as far as like, players who are just going to score and play their role. So I like that a lot. I also like what the Golden State Warriors did. Uh, if, I, if I'm if i correct, I want to say they signed Otto Porter to a minimum contract. Is, if I'm right, is that true? I believe you are correct. And he's a guy who's like another another 3 and D guy. Uh, he's, I mean, he's going to help out a lot. Uh, just get minutes next to, uh, I mean, minutes behind Andrew Wiggins and Clay at that wing position and behind Draymond. Um, they obviously have... James Wiseman, who they drafted last year, they can develop him a little more. Jordan Poole had a really good year last year. Uh, he's coming back. My, my One of my favorites is Juan Piscato Anderson. He had a good year last year. He's returning. It's like you talked about, they drafted Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, signed Otto Porter, Nahim Belgica. Bad time pronouncing his name. And brought back Andre Iguodala. So overall, I actually kind of think they're going to have a really solid roster. And if Clay Thompson can be... 90% of what he was those years in Golden State, I really think they're going to jump back into the mix of contending. And, it, I mean, a Golden State team, when they have the Splash Brothers going, is fun. And I think they have a lot of talent on the roster. And I'm very excited to watch those two teams specifically because of what they did this offseason. Uh, and lastly, just honorable mention, uh, I know I talked about it already, but the fact that you can get Dennis Schroeder, a guy who was runner-up for sixth man of the year last year, uh, to not this past year with the year in OKC uh, on a $5.9 million contract is just an absolute steal. And that's kind of what made this help its off season. I 100% agree with that last part. Um, and so let's, let's wrap up here as we wind down with uh, some way too early, maybe not too early 2021, 2022, Celtics season projections or an outlook, so to speak. Uh, Squid, you kind of already talked about it a little bit in terms of kind of tiering the Eastern Conference, uh, where it seems to be, you know, the Nets and the Bucks jostling for top dog in the East. And then you got a whole mess of teams kind of slotted just a tier below them. So you talk about those teams three through eight, three through nine, how three through seven, however you want to group it. 
I think you can, I think we're all in agreement. The Celtics are definitely in that tier two group. Uh, so Dan, I will start with you. Where do you see the Celtics right now? Kind of, where would you slot them in the Eastern conference going into this year? They, I have them in, you know, I, I would say a top four seed range. Like, I don't think they're going to be a top two seed. I think that's going to belong to Brooklyn and probably Milwaukee. Um, but I think we're not, we're not going to see a play in type of uh, deal again. I like this past year. That's not, I just don't see that happening. I don't see Tatum going out for extended time due to COVID and all that. And uh, they have guys that can play on a consistent basis. Um, again, like, I think they're only improving in that Tatum and Brown getting older, more experienced. Obviously, Tatum is taking steps each year. Um, so I would see them in the upper tier. Like, I think they have a chance, um, you know, obviously if things break their way, but they are certainly, they should be, I think, um, in contention for a top four seed in the East and the East is only getting tougher, you know, each and every year. And you have a three headed monster in Brooklyn that again, I don't trust they can get hurt on any given day. So there's that, but yeah, they have a lot to prove, but top four, I think is what they should be or what they can be. They, they should not be in a play in situation. Absolutely not. Squid. Where, what would you say? Yep, I'm going to channel, channel my inner John Lennon, Lennon lyrics here and just go, some may say I'm a dreamer, but I hope I'm not the only one. Uh, I think the Boston <laughs> Celtics are going to shock the world next year. I think the Boston Celtics are going to be a top three seed. Um, yep. Whether that's one, two, or three, I have no idea. But hear me out. Jason Tatum is going to be an MVP candidate. Last year, he averaged the most points in the fourth quarter and at any single player in the NBA. That's a crazy feat to get to at the age of 23 years old. He's only getting better. He had a uh, two fifty-point playoff games. He had sixty in the regular season. He was just as the season went on, he got over that COVID stint. There, he was just going off. There was no one on earth that could guard him, including Kevin Durant. Uh, he, he, I mean, he was the best player on the court in two of those games against Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Like it was ridiculous. Uh, Jason Tatum's only getting better, and I think he's going to make a step towards a top five. I think he's going to be a top five MVP vote this year. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised by that at all, especially if they have a good record. I think Jalen Brown is only getting better. He's just adding to his game each year. And if Jalen's going to come back and do what he did last year, then we have two top 20 players, one top five, potentially it's crazy. Um, so those two guys growing is obviously going to help a lot. And just them advancing is going to help. I mean, if that's the case, we have two super, I mean, one superstar and one really good all-star that should be enough to get a top three seed. Uh, I mean, anywhere in the league, pretty much. And then you just look at guys like Al Horford. No, he's not like a all-star Al anymore that one year he was or two years he was. But Al Horford is a really good passer. He knows where to move the ball. And he's just a very sound vet who's going to get you like 13, 14 points a game, grab his six rebounds, and he's going to make sure the ball is going to the right spot. And he's going to – I mean, Al Horford's great at kind of just commanding respect on the floor. Then you add a guy like Schroeder off the bench. You add a guy like – I mean, Richardson is going to play some pretty solid defense. Obviously, Marcus Smart in the fold. Uh, and then, I guess, at 
once you get there, it's whatever you get out of Neesmith, Pritchard, Langford. I really like what Neesmith did in summer league. I think he's going to be a good like shooter coming up the bench. And then the ultimate wild card, Time Lord. If Time Lord can stay healthy, Time Lord can really become just a dominant NBA center. And if that's the case, then the Celtics really do have a three-headed monster at that point. And, you know, I can see him, if things break the right way, all it takes is a Brooklyn injury. And I think the Celtics can go toe-to-toe with the Milwaukee Bucks in the, in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, I'm not rooting for injuries, but if something something happens to the uh, Brooklyn Nets, I would not be sad. And who knows? <laughs> hey, it's, pro- it's probably a slim chance, but if the, if the Celtics are in the NBA Finals, I will definitely come back to this podcast and uh, make sure I sound clip that. I'm pretty sure I'd have to go out of my way to find this clip and uh, make sure <laughs> it gets tweeted out to the masses. Uh, Thank so you. You've, you've got my word on that. Um, Tatum... I, I, I mean, I don't think that's a ridiculous take. I think it's it's definitely feasible the way he is progressing so far this early in his career. And he's already got a gold medal. He's already got a gold medal to his name now. He was he was arguably the second best player on the court for Team USA. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. It was Durant. He was hyping him up, too. Mm-hmm. It was Durant, and it was Tatum. So that's I, I know they didn't have all the stars on Team USA. That's why some of those games were as close as they were. But I mean, that's a lot, a lot of NBA All Stars on that roster, and Tatum was still the second best player on that on the court on that squad. So I love that. Uh, I'm not sure about Neesmith yet. I mean, he had that one game in summer league where he exploded, and the rest of the nights was typical Neesmith. Uh, so I, I'm definitely still in wait and see for him, but I mean, let's, let's, I have to shout out Peyton Pritchard. I know it was like some like pro-am thing, but dropping 92 points in a, in a game, even if it is a pro-am, like what the hell, why can't you do a <laughs> fraction of that in a real game? Hey, he has, man. He has some things to come. I, I sure hope so. If I know if he, <laughs> if he can slice and dice like that, I I need I need more <laughs> of that. I need more of that in an NBA setting. He was he was taking on dudes like straight up like well, like just ISO. <laughs> like he he was an assassin. Yeah. Pritchard can hoop. Oh, and we saw we saw glimpses of it. It's just between injuries and, and minutes, it was tough for him to really get a consistent role and get a consistent rhythm to his game. So hopefully he can find more of that in year Last two. Last year was so, was so tough for so many players. Like, I I feel like, you know, it, it's hard to judge, like, if he's, like, an injury guy, you know, like, based on last year. Like, I feel like last year was, like, a just a crapshoot for so many guys. Am I, am I wrong to say this, but, like, he's he's one of the weirdest players in the NBA because, like, the dude literally can shoot it from the logo. Like, and it goes in, and I'm like, how the – what the hell is this? And then, like, he doesn't play sometimes, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, he's just – he's so strange, and hopefully he puts it together because if he does, I mean, that, that's, like, talking six-man spark player all over it. Yep. Uh, he, he can – he's a little bit of an enigma for sure. And same thing with – Time Lord. I mean, you yep. hit it right on the nail. If, if Time Lord st- stays, 
healthy. He can turn into a beast. I'm not saying like 20 and 10, but like maybe. He, I mean, he can be double digit points. <laughs> you a might game, be double digit rebounds a game and multiple blocks a game. And that's all the Celtics need from their center. So I, I think I think it's fair to say that with a new head coach, with another year under the team's belt, trials and tribulations, maybe this is the year they put it all together. Maybe. Maybe. So I don't think top three is far-fetched either. I would say I'm more leaning towards Dan where I'm more like, I think they're going to slot in somewhere in that four to five range. Cause I feel like I, I don't want to rule out uh, another team just kind of firing off on all cylinders right off the bat and, and kind of being able to hold st- steady the rest of the way and, and kind of being locked up in the top three alongside presumptively Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Um, but I think definitely they should be a top four, top five team. They should be pushing for top three. Uh, and if, you know, like Squid was saying, if, an injury or five were to occur to any, either of those top two teams in the East, then it it's, it's anyone's game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I forgot to mention this team and I just want to mention one last team. Um, the Miami heat might be the grittiest team on planet earth. Uh, they have, I think their starting lineup is going to be, and if I'm excluding Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, but I'm pretty sure it's like Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, um, PJ Tucker, uh, Bam Adebayo, and they signed someone else. Man, they have someone else who's extremely, extremely gritty on that roster. Also, like it's disgusting. They just have a bunch of dogs on that roster, like just guys who are never, ever, ever going to give up. And did they, it's, did they bring in Jay Crowder? No, not Jay Crowder. It was someone else, man. They, I gotta look. You, you do your thing. I'll look up the Heat roster and let you know. All right. <laughs> well, while we wait on that final tidbit, uh, Dan, give me your yeah. final thoughts on the. Oh, Marquise Morris. Ah, that's a oh. yeah, that's a dog. They just that's got a, a bunch dog. of dogs. They just said Pat Riley said, <laughs> "Screw it, I'm just bringing a bunch of guys who, if we get in a fight, <laughs> we're gonna win that fight." Yep. Literally. All right, so let's let's wrap up, get our final thoughts, Dan. Yeah. If your final thoughts lead us off here. Yeah, I mean, look, I did not expect the transition that took place. Uh, Danny Ainge going out, Brad uh, moving up to the front office, Ime Udoka coming in. But, hey, something had to happen. I'm glad they made a change, and as quickly as they did, I'm glad – that Brad already is like stoking himself in that position, making moves, um, like literally already just doing so much that I feel like who knows if we would have seen done. Like Danny Ainge made so many, uh, so many seasons where they did not make a deal at the deadline. Uh, just I don't know. Like it's very refreshing. I'll say that. If I could say one thing about the offseason, it is refreshing. So I'll leave it at that. Squid. Uh, yeah, I mean, Brad Stevens is a good GM. I forever it was Brad Stevens is a good coach, and it's just Brad Stevens is a good GM. He got us out of financial hell, and we are now on path to potentially bring in a third star or just you know keep the Jays in town. That's what's important. So 
super impressed with him. Um, it's going to be a long, sleepless couple of months here as I I run as the Celtics run. When the Celtics are happy, I'm happy. When the Celtics are sad, I'm sad. I pretty much love that team, and it's going to be a long few months without them. Uh, I will be obviously on the interweb is doing conspiracy theories about the next player they will sign. Uh, and last but not least, it is Robert Williams' year to take over, baby. All right, that seems like a good way to to end on that note. Time Lord's time is near. Dude, Time Lord, watch out. Just watch out. Just watch out for him, man. Just watch out. Like Anthony said, if that man – I'm sorry, Ryan, but if that man stays healthy, literally, we saw what he can do. Like if that dude could just play like 68 games – 65 games. Oh, get out. Get out. He had 10 blocks in a playoff game. Literally. The dude, he's a freak. <laughs> like, if his hips can just stay healthy, we're, 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 we're buzzing. Oh, we're buzzing. All right, baby. <laughs> we are buzzing. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fixing the Talk Sports for Dan Sadik and Squid Anthony Gabriella. I'm Ryan Brown. We will see you next time.